Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very, very good. Okay, we're going to jump straight into part one. As always, we never chat too much. We just jump straight into the action. We're going to start over in Germany, actually. This was last Saturday, so Saturday the 16th of July. We're going to start over in the Max Schmeling Hall, top of the bill. Giovanni De Carolis put his WBA World Super Middleweight title on the line against Tyrone, I think it's Zuge, but I heard him calling calling him something else. So I'm not too sure about the pronunciation. It might be Tyrone um, Zwiegi or something like that. But the fight ended in a majority draw. A lot of people actually thought that the Carolists just nicked it by a round or something, but it was very, very close. So um, a draw. And of course, Giovanni De Carolis retains his title. So his record now, 24 wins, six losses and one draw. And Tyrone Zwiegi or Zuge is now 18 wins as he was before. And the one draw still unbeaten in 19 professional fights, though. Also on that bill, Arthur Abraham, the return of him from, of course, losing his world title to Gilberto Ramirez. He fought for the vacant WBO International Super Middleweight title against Tim Robin Luhag. Arthur Abraham won this fight by TKO in the eighth round. It was scheduled for 12. So Arthur Abraham picking up a WBO title there. And I think he's going to try to chase a rematch with Gilberto Ramirez. But he'll have to wait his chance. Also on that bill... My good friend Charlie Edwards, he cruised to 8-0. It was an easy win for him. He just looked a million dollars in there. Again, it was only against the journeyman, but he looked he looked fantastic. And, you know, he didn't put a foot wrong. He was absolutely brilliant. Won every second of every round. Even showed us an Ali shuffle in the sixth round. <laughs> So he moves to 8 and 0 with a unanimous decision win after 6 rounds. Also on that bill, Anthony Agogo, he moved to 11 and 0 with a TKO in the second round. He actually had his opponent down 5 times in that second round. It could have been waved off arguably after the third or or fourth knockdown at least, but it it, it come to the fifth one. It was a bit um it was a bit ugly and one-sided to see that to be totally honest, during some of some of that second round. But his opponent was just a journeyman, so he moves on to bigger and better things. That's it for Germany. We're now going to go over to India in New Delhi. Vijinder Singh brought boxing to India here, and he moved to 7-0 and with a win over Kerry Hope. This was for the vacant WBO Asia-Pacific super middleweight title. It was shown on Box Nation, this card here, or, or should I just say that fight there. And he done well to beat experienced Kerry Hope, and he's now talking about an Amir Khan fight. I think it's very, very early to start talking about that type of stuff, to be honest. But all the best for Vijinder Singh. He's an absolute superstar over in India. That's 
it for India. We're now going to come back to the UK. York Hall, just a card I want to mention over there. A couple of fights. Wadi Camacho moved to 16-5. and five. His opponent retired on his store after the sixth round. And Wadi Camacho retained his Southern Area Cruiserweight title. Also on that bill, Luke Watkins moved to 9-0 and with a points win after six rounds over Dmitry Kalinowski. And again, also on that bill... Sam Sniper Smith moved to 3-0 with a TKO in the fourth round. This is at light heavy over David Sipos. So I know that Paddy Fitzpatrick could be a very happy man managing, of course, or training, should I say, of course, Sam Smith and Luke the Duke Watkins. So good stuff for him. We're now going to go over to Wales, Cardiff in the Ice Arena. Top of the bill, Liam Williams against Gary Corcoran. We had Gary Corcoran on our show last week. He was very, very confident. He started the fight very well, I must say. Um, he managed to cut the nose of Liam Williams. And also, um, I think he cut his eye as well early. I'm talking like within the first one or two rounds. Um, then w- Liam Williams come out in the third round and opened up a real big gash on Gary Corcoran's um I think it was his eye now. It was absolutely leaking out of his face. It was quite gory. But I think all of the cuts were caused by headbutts. I'm not too sure. It was it was a fight where there was a lot of emotion inside the ring. Um, both guys were there to smash the other one up. Heads were going in. It was a little bit dirty. You could see the language. Sometimes you could lip read some of the, you know, the vulgar language during the fight. It was a real grudge match. It really, really was. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fakery for the cameras or anything like that. And Liam Williams ended up picking up the TKO in round 11. So it's a good win for him. And I feel a little bit sorry for Gary Corcoran. I'd like to see a rematch maybe in this one. So Gary Corcoran now, somebody's O had to go. It was Gary Corcoran. So 15 and one, his new record. And Liam Williams, 15 and zero with the one draw. Liam Williams, of course, retaining that British super welterweight title. Corcoran was also penalized a point in round eight, which really looked like it was going to be um, you know, it looked like he was cruising to a loss on points, but he managed to to floor him in round 11, of course, Liam Williams. So a good win for him. Also on that bill, Terry Flanagan defending his WBO world lightweight title against Mazonki Fanner. Now, Terry Flanagan, everybody thought he was going to blow this guy away and he seemed to have a lot of problems with Fanner. Um, I know that Terry Flanagan's trainer after the fight said, you know, he was so focused on the July 9th, Klitschko, Fury undercard, and then it got pushed back a week, and he just, that week just didn't do him very good. I don't know, man, it's, I don't know what that really says, you know, just because it was pushed forward a week, or pushed back a week, depends how you sort of see it, Um, he just, I don't know, he, he didn't really impress, he, it's only a week. I mean, of course, I'm not a fighter. I don't know what that does. If you're set on July 9th, then it's July 16th. I don't know how much of a big deal that is. But Terry Flanagan really, really wasn't impressive. I mean, he won the fight unanimously after 12 rounds. But this guy, Fanner, you know, he was in big, big fights about 17 years ago. It's been a long, long time since he's been in any good fights or or anything like that. And, he, he you know, he gave Terry a lot of problems. And it's, I mean, look. If, for those people that compare Flanagan and Crawler, if we're going off past performances, and I mean the last performance, then Crawler's definitely ahead. I know that Flanagan has destroyed everyone he's been in with in the last couple of fights before the Fanner fight. Fair enough. He's he's had some good wins as well, you know. But Crawler, in terms of the win that he had over Barroso, 
compared to this one over Fanner. I definitely think Crawler is in the lead between those two. How do you see that, Ayaz? I mean, Terry Flanagan, of course, gets another defense of his WBO World Lightweight title. I'm very pleased he's a champion. He's a very nice guy. I also know that he had to dish out a few pounds out of his own pocket to get his fans over to Cardiff because a lot of his fans were coming to that Manchester show on the Klitschko Fury undercard. He actually, I believe he paid for all of his fans' travel. It cost him a few thousand pounds. So a real nice touch there. He's a, he's a real nice guy. He's a proper gentleman, Terry Flanagan. And he moves to 31-0 and 0 now. But um, what did you think of his performance? Is this, I mean, how do you see him comparing to Crawler? I think his performance was good. But to be honest, Crawler's last two uh, fights... Dali Perez and Ishmael Barossi is blowing them out. So, in my opinion, I reckon Crawler's improving de- uh, fight by fight. Like, for example, um, his next fight is against Lenares. If he knocks out Lenares, and if they fight in the future, Crawler will be a big favourite going into the fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. And he seems to rise to the occasion, Crawler. It's, it's quite remarkable, all the stuff he's been through. And um, But we're going to leave that there, all the lightweight talk. We're now going to go over to another fight on that bill involving one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in world boxing, Guillermo Rigondo. He put his WBA Super World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Jazza Dickens. Rigondo going into this fight with a record of 16-0. and 0. James Dickens, or Jazza Dickens, 22-1. I tell you what, it only went two rounds. James Dickens, I keep calling him James Dickens. Jazza Dickens retired on his stall. Well, he didn't retire. His corner pulled him out. He actually broke his jaw in two places in that second round. It was a big... Um, I think it was a left hook it might have been, actually, from um, from Rigondo now. I believe it was a, a left hook. But Rigondo, actually, I think that it was, it was a decent fight. I think Jazza Dickens was very, very game, man. He threw a lot of shots. He wasn't scared to throw him. And I think he was doing quite well. I mean, he was probably losing the fight, you know, two rounds to zero. But I thought he put up a decent fight while it lasted. And I don't think you can knock his you know, his corner for pulling him out because he was going to get tagged all day long. You can't fight a person who's so precise and accurate as Rigondo for 10 more rounds with a broken jaw. You know, it happened really early. Maybe if he was in that fight and it happened a bit later on in the fight, they might have kept him in the fight. Fair enough. But this time here, I think he was going to be getting tagged on that continuously and it's just too dangerous. I mean, he was a big underdog in that fight before the first bell and then once he got his jaw broken you know you can't really give him a chance he's that's a bad injury that it's hard to it's hard to to keep going when when that's hurting you like that but I think he's cornered done the right thing to pull him out and he'll be there to fight another day but um I really was quite gutted for him because it was a big big opportunity and I hope he gets another opportunity to to try and do it again I hope that Rigondo comes back to the UK as well for another fight I know he's pretty eager to do so so Rigondo now 17 and 0 he retains his WBA Super World Super Bantamweight title and Jazza Dickens 22 and 2 but his two losses to seriously Good opponents, but that's it for that one. We're now going to go down that undercard because it was a really stacked card. Bradley Skeet, we're going to be speaking to him literally in about five minutes. He fought Alexandra Lapelle. So Bradley Skeet cruised to 24 and 1 and retained his WBO European welterweight title with a TKO in the seventh round. Really good fight for Bradley Skeet. You know, Bradley Skeet's just getting better and better all the time. I don't think it was one of his best performances. I think the Sam Eggington fight was probably his best performance, but 
he just gets the job done every single time. I think he's one of those guys, if the opportunity's a big one, he kind of rises to the occasion. If he's got a good fighter in front of him, he'll fight good. If he's got a bad fighter, he won't particularly fight too attractively, but he'll still get the job done no matter what. Um, also on that card, Tommy Langford picked up a TKO in the seventh round over Timo Lane. Tommy Langford retaining his WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title and cruising to 17-0. and Joe Pigford was also on the bill. He moved to 11-0 and with a TKO in the fourth round. His opponent, Sam Omidi, was down three times in round three. And like I say, he got the job done in round four. Um, also on that bill, Gary Buckland moved to 31-7. and So his 31st professional win with a points win over Matty Fagan after six rounds at lightweight, that one. Jamie Conlon was also on that bill. He picked up a TKO in the second round over Patrick Bartos. Jamie Conlon now moves to 17-0. and 0. His opponent was down twice in that second round. And I tell you what, Jamie Conlon, mate, every fight he's in, it's a bloody exciting fight. But that's it for the UK cards. We're now going to fly over to Birmingham, Alabama. Top of the bill, Deontay Wilder against Chris Ariola. Deontay Wilder, of course, putting his WBC World Heavyweight title on the line against Chris Ariola. Chris Ariola, a bit of a late notice replacement after the Povetkin fiasco. But I tell you what, Deontay Wilder, he did not really impress me, I has. I've got to be completely honest here. I know that he injured his right hand I'm not sure what he'd done to it I heard he's broke two of his fingers I've heard he's broke his hand I heard he um tore his his right bicep as well I'm not sure what he's done but there was some sort of injury it happened pretty early during the fight I'm not sure what round it happened in but they got to a stage in the fight where he just was not frying his right hand and I think that Ariola was there for the taking if he was able to let that right hand go he would have knocked him out 100% in spectacular fashion but at one point of the fight, he was only throwing left. So, I mean, he was jabbing him and hooking him. And I tell you what, he, he's really quite lethal because we don't get to see that too much. Well, to be honest, I think we do get to see a bit of it, but we're so kind of ignorant to that because we're always looking at his right hand. But he's actually got quite a good jab on him, Deontay Wilder, an underrated jab. And his left hook, it, it seemed pretty good. I know he's been working on that. He, he really seemed to be able to fight well. I mean, he was beating Ariola with one hand. Ariola, it is what it is with him. I know that David Hay thought that he was going to get knocked out within one or two rounds. He actually had a little bet with Lennox Lewis over it. But Deontay Wilder managed, well, Chris Ariola managed to get to the eighth round. And at the end of the eighth round, his his corner retired him on his store. He was absolutely spent. So it didn't go 12 rounds. And Ariola was also down in round four. And that was the moment where I really thought he was going to get stopped any second. But Deontay Wilder, like I say, without that right hand, couldn't really do too much. He was letting it go here and there, but it wasn't active. You know, he was throwing a lot of jabs and hooks, as I said. But they were really busting Ariola up. He was all cut around the face. He looked like he'd been through a lot of, you know, a proper grueling fight, but it had only gone eight rounds and he was just getting busted up with that left hand. And uh, I think that Deontay Wilder done quite well, but a lot of people are, are bashing him on Twitter kind of thing about it. They're not happy about this fight. I mean, it was never going to be a good fight, you know, because Ariola just didn't think he could pose any kind of threat to Deontay Wilder and he didn't on the night and and Wilder was just too much for him but a lot of people talking about that fight perhaps happening Joshua against Wilder I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon I as but if it were to happen the next fight who would you go with to win that one 
I'll still go for a Wilder win against Joshua because I think Joshua is still a learning game. He's still, he's, he still hasn't gone past 12 runs while Wilder has. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast just last night and I will say they actually asked the question, who has fought the better opponents, Joshua or Wilder? And I thought to myself, it's not really a great question to ask there because Wilder's now had 37 fights. Joshua's had 17. Now, Joshua gets bashed for fighting bums. Deontay Wilder gets bashed for fighting bums. Everybody's saying who's the best fighter they've both fought. Well, of course, that's Bermain Stavern. But I also think that people on that Charles Martin, Dominic Brazil level that Joshua's fought, I believe that Eric Molina, Arta Spielkart, they're all on that level as well. So I definitely think Deontay Wilder has fought the better opposition. However, it's took him a long time, a much longer time than Joshua has to fight that opposition. You know, Joshua's been fighting those type of guys since maybe his 15th or 14th fight. Deontay Wilder's only been fighting those types of guys from maybe his 32nd fight. So Joshua's been moved on quicker than Wilder. So that's one good thing. But the actual fight itself, I think that, well, it's obviously going to end in a knockout. That's for sure. Um, it's a real good one, man. It really, really is. I think that Deontay Wilder would be on the back foot in that fight. I just, it's hard to see Joshua on the back foot. I just can't imagine him on the back foot. He's just too strong and, and big. And, you know, he does the basics so well, but it would be an interesting one for sure. I can't really predict a winner at this moment in time. Uh, also on that bill, Sammy Vasquez undefeated in 21 contests. He lost his O. His record now 21 and 1 an upset win kind of thing. I know it was like a 50-50 fight, but he was in there to win that fight. And Felix Diaz picked up the win. So he moves to 18-1. and one. It was a strange one, I as this fight, because I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but the judges announced it a draw. And then that was it. It was the end of the fight. And I went on Twitter and everyone was going, oh my God, this is outrageous. What a robbery. You know, loads of pros were going crazy about it on Twitter. And then the fight finished and it went to a, you know, to to commercials or adverts, I should be saying. And then it went straight back onto boxing and went, oh, there's been a mistake. We're going to have to, you know, we're going to bring you a new result, which is not a draw. And then it come down to a win to Felix Diaz, which he was the rightful winner. But have you ever seen that? It just, it, it was a draw. And then it went to, um, you know, they, they took back the decision and calculated it again. And it ended up being being a win for, for Felix Diaz. It was quite quite incredible to be honest there was a lot of strange things i'll tell you another thing what was quite funny and quite strange one of the frank warren fights i can't remember who it was now i as i swear to god i know you didn't see the frank warren card in full but if you'd have seen this you'd have laughed your head off a referee i don't know who it was but it needs to be brought to attention there was a referee who waved off a fight and then changed his mind and let him carry on wow that's absolutely crazy man <laughs> who would do that I'm telling you, he, he waved the fight off and then carried on. And then what happened about 10 seconds later? The guy got knocked straight down and then he waved it off for real. And I thought it, it, it was like some sort of Only Fools and Horses style. It was absolutely incredible. But it's got to be addressed. This was terrible. I've never seen that referee before. And I don't want to see him again. I don't like to be too critical, especially of referees. It's a hard job, man. But that was quite abysmal. I've got to say so. It's got to be addressed. Also on that Birmingham bill, we had him on our show last week. It's the hard-hitting heavyweight, six foot six. Gerald Washington, he fought Ray Austin. Ray Austin way past his peak, of course. There's no run 
running away from that one. Gerald Washington knew it, but it's another name for his record. He cruises to 18 and oh, he's got that one draw and it was a KO in round four for Gerald Washington. And also on that bill, Victor Chinian, he was upset. He was in this fight to win. His record was 42 wins, eight losses and one draw. And he got KO'd in the second round against Sergio Frias, who's got a record of 17 wins, six losses and two draws. And I've never, ever heard of him. But I tell you what, he could bounce onto some big things. But I think Victor Chinian's way past his best, you know, but it was a strange old fight, I've got to say. So it really, really was. But that's it for Birmingham, Alabama. Now, there's one last fight to mention on the review part of the show. Just one last fight before we talk about the crazy name fighters on this week's show. And it's Andy Ruiz Jr. He fought Josh Gormley. He didn't tell us anything in this fight apart from he picked up the TKO in round three. So Andy Ruiz Jr. now 28-0. and 0. Still hasn't fought anybody that's going to give him that acid test to find out if he's the real deal or not and we're waiting for that one it just seems like we've been waiting for so long that is it for the reviewing we've done the reviewing part on this show we're now going to talk about the crazy name fighters of this week now Ayaz, i know that you chose matteo damian veron from last week's fights and he was taking on Stefan Hartel on the undercard of the Max Schmeling Hall fight, the one that Charlie Edwards was on, the one that Giovanni De Carolis was on. Well, I've got some bad news for Matteo Damian Veron fans. He actually lost a unanimous decision after eight rounds to Stefan Hartel. And Veron was also down in the second round. So he gets handed his 18th professional loss and it's it's bad news for Matteo Damian Veron, but Stefan Hartel, his opponent, moved to 11 and 0. And that's it for the crazy name fighter of last week. We're now going to talk about the crazy name fighter of this week. Now, I've got to be honest, I, as I look through it, and whereas last week there were so many guys with crazy names, this week there really hasn't been many. You know, I was looking through it. Last week there was a good bunch of names, but this week... It's been quite hard to find. They're, they're very, they're very much few and far between. But the only one I could find, and it's not a really terrible name, but um, it's a guy who's fighting in Ghana this week. His opponent yet to be announced. It's actually his debut. It's a bit of a shame. It's quite bad, isn't it? It's quite, um, it's quite bad of the podcast to start taking the Mickey out of someone who's only who hasn't even had a fight yet. We're, we're already getting onto them before they start their pro career. But it's a guy fighting at the Napoleon Boxing Complex in Accra, Ghana, and his name is <laughs> Theophilus Dudu. That's actually a funny name, to be honest. You like that one, Ayaz? Is that one that you, you, you might change your name or call your children that name, perhaps? No, that's actually a funny name, but I haven't changed my name. <laughs> okay, so we're going to let you guys know what happens in the doo-doo fight, which is scheduled for six rounds in the middleweight division. I want to tell you more about him, but he's only started his debut, and we know absolutely zilch about him at the moment. But he might win. Or he might lose, but hopefully he does win. So we've we're wishing Dudu all the best. Okay, we're wishing Dudu all the best, and we're going to let you know about his result on next week's show. But that's it for the funny fighter names. That's it for the review part of the show. Before we end part one, we've got one last thing to do, and that is to welcome our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBO European welterweight champion, Mr. Bradley Skeet. Bradley, welcome back to the show, man. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Thanks for having me again, mate. All good. 
Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Now, just before we talk about your weekend, I just want to go back to that Sam Eggington fight. I never really got a chance to speak to you prop well on this show anyway, uh, after that fight. What was it like winning the British title in that fashion, Bradley? Because I tell you what, you were really, really, really impressive on that night. Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, it was great. It was obviously great to get the belt finally. Um, going up, going up to Birmingham, Sam's backyard, and and fighting on a rival promoter show, obviously on a matchroom show. Me being with with Frank Warren and Box Nation, um, yeah, it, it was great. I put I put the hard work in the gym, and it all paid on the night. Um, uh, I think it was my best performance to date. So yeah, it, to come away with with the belts, but like was a dream come true, to be honest. And the good thing about about that fight afterwards, you could see. Um you know, you were filled with emotion because I know that winning that belt was a lot for you. I know the very next day you were down at Dean Powell's memorial bench. Um, just seeing it, was, I don't know, just from an outsider's perspective, it looked, it, it was good. I could see how much it meant to you and I was really pleased for you. I, mean, I know that belt means a lot to you, Bradley. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I dedicated the fight to obviously <coughs> my late manager, Dean Powell. Um, we, we, we was close. He was with me from the start of my career. So um, yeah, it, it meant a lot for me to, to win that. And and I know from, from the start, he, he bigged me up to a lot of people. And for me to go and win that belt, and, and it's, 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 it's like a little thumbs up to him, really. To, to It's like I've proved, proved him right. He, he believed in me and my ability. So um, it was like, yeah, like a thumbs up to him, really. So I went and went down to the bench and, and just showed him I'd done it. Yeah, good man, good man. Now, you got a good win over Eggington in that fight. You got another win on the weekend, brothers. Talk us through that fight for me. Yeah, boxed, um, boxed defending my WBO European title. So, uh, yeah, number, ranked number six with the WBO now. So um, it, it, was, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a fight what come up that, that needed to be done to keep the WBO happy and keep me in their rankings and, and maybe um, move, move up some more places in their rankings with a successful defence, which, which, which are done. Um, box Alex, Alexandra Lepoli, a tough, durable customer, only been stopped in once in 20-odd fights. So to get the stoppage, um, to get a good win, um, to get some good rounds into was, was, was great. But now I'll be focusing on winning my British title outright. So um, looking forward to three good uh, domestic fights out there. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. As you as you mentioned there, you got the knockout over Alexandre Lepoli, only the second time he's been stopped, and you also did it in the quickest time. How good is that for your momentum moving forward now, Bradley? Yeah, uh, momentum's good. Um after the Egerton fight, obviously I, I would have liked to have been in, in, in back in the, the the ring performing, which which I done as got 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 back in, but had a good training camp, and now it's all about moving on, keeping that momentum going, and uh, and just like, keep cracking on and get get getting these three wins and winning this British title outright. Now I know that obviously you know you've won almost every belt you can win at the moment. I know that before you wasn't too sure because I remember when you fought for the British against Eggington, you wasn't sure what was going to happen with the WBO European title. Yeah. I know that you was able to keep that, of course. Now that you're yeah. going to be going to defend the British, of course, will you have to relinquish that title? Um, I don't think so because I've made I've made I think that was my fourth successful defence of that title now. So I'm looking to get these three defences in quick smart. So I can't see them ordering me to defend anytime soon. So maybe if I can get the three defences in and, and, and hold on to this belt as well, then it'll be a bonus. But 
um, like I say, I've made five successful defences now, and and with that belt, people, there, there there is a lot of belts in boxing, and and people people call them Mickey Mouse belts and whatever. But with this WBO European belt, it, it's given me a top ten ranking with the World World Boxing Organization, which to me that's my main dream is to win a world title. So I'm number six now with them. So. If I, if I can get a world title opportunity from it, then I'll be holding on to the belt. Yeah, of course. Now, how long will you take off, Bradley, before returning back to the gym? Um, usually I'm, I'm out of the gym a week and then I'm, I'm straight back in, but um, I'm, I'm off to Cyprus on Wednesday with the family, so I'm having a nice chill out. But uh, I'll, I'll have a week off out in Cyprus, then on the second week of our holiday, then I'll be training. So I'll be taking some training bits out there with me and, and not going too mad, but just, just start ticking over again. And as soon as I'm back, I'll be back in the gym and, and cracking on for September, October date. Nice one, nice one. Now I know that you're you're not a trash talker or anything, but um, with this win, with this other win under your belt, have you got yeah. anyone you know on, on your radar on your radar for the next outing at all? Yeah, well, like me as the champion, I, I don't I don't really feel I need to call anyone out or look for anyone that is everyone looking on for me and yeah, and course. wanting to beat me up. So um, my mandatory's been called by the book. Uh, boxing board and that's Shane Singleton. Um, to be honest, I was I was I, I probably would have picked him as a voluntary anyway. So for him being my mandatory, is is it's just get that get out, that one out of the way. So um, I'll be fighting him next. Um, um, good fighter, good fighter. I know they come to win, but no disrespect. But Egerton's dealt with him, and and Egerton's dealt with a lot of the boys domestically, and. Uh, not looking past them but I, I can't see myself having any probably problems with any of them so um it, it's a belt i want to keep out right and I, i'll make i'll be making the three sec- successful defenses so yeah um he's next so he'll be the one who's getting it absolutely now i want to ask you about a couple of other fights that are taking place um in and around well not really in your weight division to be honest but around your weight division um liam smith against canelo another huge fight that's been made yeah massive fight for liam um people i think looking past liam obviously canelo's an elite elite level fighter but liam's the world champion liam's going over there as the as the reigning world champion and i wish him all the best um I know, I know he'd be going out there 100, 110% confident of getting a win. Um, Joe Gallagher's a great trainer. Liam's a great fighter. And uh, like I say, he's going over there, the world champion. And I wish him all the best in, in, in a successful defence of his title. Yeah, he's up against it, but we wish him the best as well. And also, a strange one, um, Kel Brook against Golovkin. This is really took everyone yeah. by surprise, Brad. How do you, how'd you see this Mate, fight going? I, I, did, I didn't see that one coming one little bit. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't have put money on that fight happening. So, um, yeah, it took, took a lot of people by surprise. But take my hat off to Kel. I've always rated Kel. I think he's a great fighter. He, did, he deserves it. Why not? He's uh, unbeaten. He, he's weight champion. He's stepping up to fight at middleweight. So he can't get the fights at weight. They seem like the fights can't happen. There's some great fights for him at weight. And uh, but they just seem they can't get made. So um, in in my eyes, it's kind of like a good thing for me, really, because he was meant to be fighting Vargas, who's WBO champion, and that might have opened the door for me down the line. So 
we 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 we'll have to wait and see about that one. But yeah, that all the best to him. He he stepped up and and he's going in there with one of the pound for pound best fighters. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that Vargas point, but you basically answered it. But no, that's it's good for you. It's good for you. But yeah, like I say. We wish Brooke the best of luck in that huge task as well. Um, Brad, just before yeah. I let you go, my friend, I just want to give you a chance to thank any sponsors or anyone in particular you want to thank. Yeah, nice one, mate. Um, as always, uh, my main sponsor, the King Group, they're, they're, they're on board. Um, I'm, I'm a full-time pro, so training full-time and, and, and dedicating myself to the sport, is, is they've, they've helped me out massively. So, yeah, they're, they're my full-time sponsor, the King Group, so a big thank you to them. Um, BoxFit, I'd like to thank um, Usana for my supplements. And um, I'd like to say thanks to my nutritionist, Kate Shilland, and uh, my strength and conditioner, Coach Gavin Lander. They've, they've all, I've got a great team around me. Um, they've, they've, all, they've all pulled together and, and, and getting me in great shape and great condition. And, uh, yeah, just onwards and upwards. Obviously, my, my training team, uh, Al Smith, Eddie Lamb, and everyone in the gym, um, Frank Warren and Box Nation for being there, my manager Andy Aylin. Uh, the list goes on. I've got a great team around me, and uh, and, and my, my my biggest thanks. I'd like to thank everyone who supports me, buying tickets, spending their hard-earned money. Um, my last two fights have been away, being in Birmingham, and then just wows just on the weekend. So uh, I had great support. Um, in, I have great support in London, but it's, it's massive support when I'm away from home too. And uh, I just want to say a big thank you for everyone who, who spends their hard-earned money coming to watch me fight. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Bradley, you know what it is. It's an absolute pleasure speaking to you once again. Have a little break. Mm -hmm. I really okay. hope you enjoy that one. Have a good, safe flight out there and enjoy your time away. We'll be speaking to you again when you're returning to the ring. All the best, Bradley, my friend. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. If you've joined us before, this part is called the preview part of the show where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. So we're going to start with a card that's actually taking place on Wednesday, the 20th of July. So by the time you listen to this, it might have already gone past, but it's a good fight here. Shingo Wake, 20 wins, four losses and two draws. He faces Jonathan Guzman. Now Shingo Wake is a fighter that a lot of people know is pretty good. Um, he's been in some tough fights, so I will say. And Jonathan Guzman, a lot of people don't really know who he is, but we actually talked about him a few months back, Ayers, when, when he was having a fight with, I can't remember who now, but we were saying, you know, he's one to look out for. And here he is, he's got his chance to fight for the vacant IBF World Super Bantamweight title. And Jonathan Guzman, 21-0 and 0, with 21 knockouts. He really is a fighter to watch. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. And this is his chance. Can he beat Shingo Wade? We'll have to wait and see on Wednesday. But as I say, by the time the show goes out, it might have already taken place. That's it for Wednesday. We're now going to talk about a fight that's happening on Thursday, the 21st of July, over in the Horncastle Arena, Christchurch, New Zealand. Joseph Parker fights Solomon Humuno. Now, Humuno has a record of 24 wins, two losses, and two draws. Joseph Parker, 19-0. This is for the WBO Oriental Heavyweight title and the OPBF Heavyweight title. It's a 12-rounder. This is basically a warm-up fight for Joseph Parker before he takes on Joshua. So a lot of people are thinking here. And also, um, I want to point out that his opponent, Solomon Humuno, although his record's pretty decent, 24 wins, two losses, two draws, 
was one of his losses was actually to Kevin Johnson in 2013. Big, chunky, American Kevin Johnson actually knocked him out in round 10 and was winning every round of that fight up until the stoppage. Now, we know that Kevin Johnson's not busy whatsoever. Sometimes he stands still. He's like a statue. So um, for this guy to have, have lost, but not only lost, but also been knocked out by Kevin Johnson, it actually says a lot. So I don't think Joseph Parker, young and fresh, and of course, you know, getting in that world title contention, I don't think he's going to have any problems with him at all. Also on that same day, on the Thursday, I just want to point out that there's another fight taking place in Connecticut. Sergei Derevianchenko, 8-0 and in the middleweight division, 12-rounder, takes on former world champion Sam Solomon, 44 wins and 13 losses. This is actually a real test for Sergei Derevianchenko. I think I'm getting his name right. He's only 8-0, and but he's a bright prospect for the future. But of course, Sam Solomon, 57 fights under his belt, a former world champion. You know, he wasn't rated very highly when he won that fight. And, and became the and became the champion at middleweight. But, you know, nonetheless, he still had that experience. If the Revianchenko can get past him, then it really does make a statement. That's it for Thursday. We're now going to go over to Friday. There seems to be fights on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday this week. So it's good for boxing fans, but it's hard to watch them on TV. So if you know any streams, you're in for a proper jackpot this week. Um, fighting over in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Diego Chavez. 23 and 2 with the one draw. Remember, he was linked with Kel Brook. He fought Brandon Rios. He fought Timothy Bradley. He faces Jorge Daniel Miranda, who has a record of 55 wins and 16 losses. It's a 10 rounder. It's up at 154. So, Diego Chavez, who's actually been out the ring since he fought Timothy Bradley to a draw in December of 2014, in that time, he's put on a bit of weight and he's become a Light middleweight, so 154. So he's behind, he's, you know, he's put those days behind him fighting down at 147. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's got left. I never rated him hugely as a fighter, to be completely honest. Also taking place on that Friday is also a special star of the show, Philophilus Dudu. We're going to let you know about his fight, of course. And also, Julius Jackson. Julius the Chef Jackson's fighting over in Connecticut as well. Good friend of the show. 19-1, and one, his record going into this fight against Jerry Odom. 13-2 and two with the one draw. It's an eight-rounder at super middleweight. All the best to Julius the Chef Jackson, a real gentleman. Of course, brothers with John Jackson as well. Real nice guys, those two. Also, fighting over in Spain at the... Palacio de los Deportes in Benidorm. So a bit of Spanish pronunciation on key there from myself. Kiko Martinez, 35 and 7, takes on Eusebio Usejo, 28, 17 and 2. It's an eight-rounder at featherweight. So Kiko Martinez has moved up. I don't really see why he's fighting these journeymen like these guys that he's fighting in Spain and, you know, he's picking up wins over him. I hope it doesn't bounce him into another title fight because that would just be quite unreal. You know, he's, he's way past it, Kiko Martinez. I don't really know why he's carrying on, to be honest. I don't want to be too critical, but I'm just giving my honest opinion. Also on that undercard, Sergio Garcia, 21-0. and 0. He faces a guy called Michael Mora. 
of course, it's not the Michael Mora. It's a guy who's a super welterweight and his record is 11 and 10. He faces Sergio Garcia over eight rounds. Also on that bill, Abigail Medina, 15 and three with the two draws. He faces Elvis Gwillen, nine and 23 with four draws. That is a six rounder in the super bantamweight division. But that's it for Spain. We're now going to go over to the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, Terence Crawford, the battler from Omaha, Nebraska. He faces Victor Postal. Both guys putting their titles on the line. Terence Crawford putting his WBO World Super Lightweight title on the line. Victor Postal putting his WBC World Super Lightweight title on the line. Both guys 28-0. and 0. Combined record of 56-0. and 0. Somebody's O's got to go. Ayers, talk to me about this fight. What a barn burner this one is. What a unification this is going to be, yeah? Crawford, my word, he's been a good fighter. So is Postle. Last Postle fight I saw yet was against Matisse, where he stopped Matisse, yeah? But Crawford's been, Crawford's been knocking everyone out recently, yeah? And this fight, in my opinion, if I'm going to go for a win, I'm going to go for a Crawford points win. I've got to go with a Crawford win. I think maybe even knockout, but these guys are both in the prime of their life, and it's great to see two guys fight, not only in the prime of their life, but both in a unification fight. You know, this is a fantastic matchup. I cannot wait for this one. This one's on Box Nation as well, so I'm over the moon. I'm going to be tuning into that one. Also on that card, Oscar Valdez, 19-0. and 0. He faces Matias Carlos Adrian Ruida, 26-0. and 0. Again, somebody's O has got to go in this fight and this one's for the vacant WBO world heavyweight title so another world title on the line against another two undefeated fighters this card is a cracking cracking card also on this bill Jose Benavidez 24 and 0 he faces Francisco Santana 24 and 4 with the one draw that's a 10 rounder at welterweight also on this bill Ik Yang 19 and 1 he faces Leonardo Zapavigna 34 and 2 also on this bill, another good fight. Alexander Govodzic. Now he's a light heavyweight, 10 and 0. He faces Tommy Carpensi, 26 and 5 with the one draw. That's for the NABF light heavyweight title. And that's all the fights for the USA. Now, the last fight that we're going to mention on the preview part of the show, just one fight taking place on the Sunday, I believe, over in Ukraine. Andre Rodenko, 28 and 2. Both of his losses. To be honest, he lost that fight to Lucas Brown, but I honestly thought he scraped that fight. But a good fighter on Joe Rodenko and his other loss to Huey Fury, where Huey Fury outpointed him pretty much. Um, without a problem. But Andre Rodenko, 28-2. and two. He faces Marcelo Luis Nascimento, a tricky fighter, a tough guy, but not a great fighter. I think he's going to probably get knocked out. He's record 22-13, and 13, so all the best to both guys. But I think Rodenko is going to win that one pretty easily. And that's it for the previewing on this week's show. So we've done part one. Before we end part two, we're going to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Fighting on Friday over in Connecticut, USA, Julius the Chef Jackson. Julius, welcome to the show, brother. It's great to have you back on. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be on the show, bro. Excellent, man. The pleasure is mine. Now, as I mentioned, you're fighting on Friday. Just before we get on to that, Julius, I wanted to ask you how your brother's getting on. I know that me and you both spoke briefly after his loss for the world title against Jamel Charlo. How's he getting along? Uh, he's great, man. He's feeling good. Um, you know, it was definitely a tough loss for him. Uh, you know, emotionally, you know, it's hard to deal with. But uh, he's doing okay. Uh, he's been back in the gym and, and sparring with me and getting me ready for my fight. So uh, he's definitely on up and up. Hopefully uh, he'll be back in the ring uh, in a couple of months. 
Oh, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. I'm happy to hear that. Now, of course, you're fighting on Friday against Jerry O'Dom. Um, it's an eight-rounder. Do you know much about your opponent, Julius? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I don't really know him. Um, you know, I was supposed to fight Ronald Ellis. And, um, you know, he, Ronald Ellis and Jerry Odom, they, uh, they fought uh, about three months ago, and they had a draw. So, um, you know, he, uh, Ellis broke his hand, and, and Jerry Odom took his place. Uh, he's been training for fights, he said, so he's ready to fight. So um, I'm, I'm just excited for a good fight. I'm looking forward to, to you know, challenging myself again. So hopefully he's ready and uh, and I'm going to bring my A game. And of course, um, things haven't been great boxing-wise lately for you and your brother. How important is it to grab a win on Friday and change the momentum back to winning ways? Yeah, I, I think, um, uh, you know, my whole team needs it. <laughs> Not just me and my brother, but the whole team needs it. So, uh um, I'm really excited to be the one to, to bring the W back and uh, and give us that momentum again and that confidence back. So uh, I'm excited to do that. Excellent stuff. How many fights are you looking to have this year, Julius, providing, of course, you get through Mr. Odom on Friday night? Uh, as much as possible, man. You know, um, I've, since my last fight, I've gotten so much hungrier. Um, so I'm excited to, to just get back where I was and, and fight for the middle uh, super middleweight world championship. So, uh, I, as much as possible, as much as they can get me in there, I, I want to be in there. So uh, I'm going to stay ready and be ready. I want to ask you about that 168 division at, of course, super middleweight. Um, who would you see as the main man in that weight category, Julius? Um, right now, I would think uh, the main man would be um, would be uh, not Jack, but um, James to get. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's the top guy right now in the middleweight. You know, he's got the. I think he's got the most skill and. Um, He's a dangerous fighter, and I'd love to step in the ring with him. Would you? What's your opinion on Gilberto Ramirez as well, the guy who beat, of course, Arthur Abraham recently? Yes, yes, Gilberto's a great fighter as well. Um, uh, he's not as technical as uh, DeGale, but uh, definitely a tough, uh, tough Mexican fighter. And um, I was actually supposed to fight him not too long ago, but that never happened. But um, yeah, he's definitely a good opponent as well. And I want to ask you now, just outside of the ring, Julius, how's the cooking getting along? I know last time that we spoke, um, it was it was just before your last fight. So the back end of 2015, you were saying that you were going on to the Food Network. Now, I know that that happened. How was that whole experience for you? And how's all your cooking going in general? Oh, that was a great experience. Um, it was one of my dreams, and uh, that came true. And uh, actually, we're looking to do some more stuff in the future with the Food Network and uh, BSTV Entertainment. Uh, the production team that that did the show, so um, uh, it's been going great, man. I've also been doing some events here at home in the island, uh, and people are are loving it. You know, I'm teaching people and uh, cooking for people at the same time, so that that's been going well. And uh, yeah, so uh, the cooking stuff's been going well. I'm also gonna uh, put out a cookbook here shortly, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, for sure. And also, Julius, you must have had no problem getting a girlfriend, man. I mean, everybody loves a tough guy, and especially someone who can make a meal as well. And you've got it all. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> now, another thing I wanted to ask you, is it's more so in your brother's weight division more than yourself, but there's a huge fight, especially for the UK um, and, of course, Mexico. Canelo taking on Liam Smith. It's, it's just, it's took the world by surprise. Who do you see winning this fight? How do you see this fight going, Julius? Um, I think it's a good fight. Um, a lot of people are kind of looking over it because, uh, you know, Canelo's supposed to fight uh, Triple G, but 
Uh, I think it's a good fight. Uh, Liam is a great boxer, um, good technically, and uh, you know Canelo usually has problems with guys who can box well. So uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, of course, Canelo's power I think gives him a little edge, but uh, I think it'll be a good fight, a good showing. But I, I'll give Canelo the small advantage. Uh, so maybe he, I think it'll go. I, I think it can go all rounds, and uh, the decision will go to Canelo. That's how I see it going. I hope you're wrong with that, but uh, yeah, of course, you, you know you can't you can't disagree with that prediction. And also, the last question I want to ask you now: another strange one that took everybody by surprise, probably even more so than the Canelo Smith fight, um, Kell Brook against Golovkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are, are texting me and calling me and asking me what's going on with your boy Triple G. Why is he fighting Kell Brook? All that. The way I see it, I I, I think it's a uh, uh, a good business move for Kell Brook. Um, you know, I, I think he uh, he's uh, taking this opportunity to uh, make a name for himself and, um, you know, make some money at the same time. You know, and uh, Triple G, I mean, nobody wants to fight him, so why not take a big name like Kell Brook and, uh, and, and, and do a fight in his hometown? Um, you know, if, of course, it's like a, a big jump for Kell. Um, you know, it's almost an impossible win for him because of how strong G is. But, um I think it's a good uh, business move and a good fight. Uh, I think the fans will like it. I think it'll be a good fight either way. And um, after Cub, after this, Kelbrook can just go right back down and, and uh, defend his title. So uh, we'll see what happens. Intriguing battles for the future. But listen, brother, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I wish you the best of luck in the fight. And say hello to your brother and your father for me, please. We'll speak again soon, Julius. It's been my pleasure. Thank will you do, very much. Brother. Will do, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 42 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A special thank you to our two guests on this week's show, Bradley Skeet and Julius the Chef Jackson. I just want to give a little apology to the listeners because on last week's show, I did say that this week we'd have Bradley Skeet and Charlie Edwards on the show. I really hate not delivering for the listeners, but it wasn't our fault. We reached out to Charlie Edwards, but he had a lot going on this week. He was on planes all over the place. I think he's been on three different planes in the last three or four days. So it's all been crazy for him, but he'll be on the show before his world title fight on September 10th. Don't worry about that. That's an absolute promise. We had Julius the Chef Jackson stepping at late notice, so I'm very thankful for him for coming onto the show, and we wish him the best of luck for Friday night. But I will say this much, next week's show will contain a couple of juicy, juicy guests, and I really, really do mean that. That is my promise. You can hold me to that. If I'm wrong, please give me a ton of abuse at Box Hard Podcast on Twitter. But I'd like to thank all the listeners for listening to this show. Once again, we're really, really happy with the recent views of the podcast. We'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until next time, take care.